Are you a 3PL spending more time and money than you'd like recruiting and onboarding logistics roles? Then it's time to check out Rapido Solutions Group, the leaders in nearshore logistics staffing. Located right next door in Mexico, they have access to the freight talent you need. From carrier sales to tracking and tracing and everything in between, they can do the heavy lifting for you. So if you're ready to get your time back and want to move fast, check out Rapido Solutions Group. Visit GoRapido.com to get started today. Hello and welcome to the Bootstrapper's Guide to Logistics, the FreightWaves podcast highlighting founders doing it the way that doesn't get a lot of attention. We're here to change that and grow the small business community in our industry by sharing their stories and inspiring others to take the leap. I'm your host, Nate Schutz. Let's build something together from the ground up. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the show. Another week, another founder. We are closing in on 40 episodes, which is mind-blowing to me. When I look back on 2022 and the amazing people I've gotten to know and help share their stories, it's incredibly humbling. And I look back on 40 people who said yes to sharing their stories. And this week, I get to introduce Brent Orsuga, who's the founder of Pinnacle Growth Advisors, another Bootstrap Logistics founder. Brent, good afternoon. How are you today? Great. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Why don't we just start with a, a straightforward question with maybe not a straightforward answer, but what does bootstrapping mean to you? Well, it means exactly what I did in 2014 and still continue to do. But more importantly, it's a, uh, a no plan B mentality. Bootstrapping to me is when you just go all in Everything you do has one clear and decisive direction, and it's kind of a uh, no-holds-barred, we-have-to-win mindset. What about that mindset is so appealing to you? I think it makes you work with intentionality. I think that if you give yourself an out, you treat your day different. When you're forced to win, when you have nobody backing you, when you have no fund supporting you, it puts you into a place where production means everything. So I think that you treat your relationships different. I think you treat your day differently. I think you time block differently. Again, the big word for me is just intention. I don't have time to take my time. It's just very, very direct. And I walk into the office every day with a clear purpose. It sounds almost competitive. Do you have a background in sports or anything like that? I do. I've always grown up playing sports competitively, leagues, everything, even played uh, college basketball there for a minute. So this is just in my blood and DNA. And I think once you have that in there, it doesn't necessarily ever go away. It's just how I treat every day. Sometimes it's not even necessarily competing against other people, but more importantly, just competing against myself, just always striving to get better, always striving and have a thirst for knowledge. And that's just how I live life. So what were you like as a kid? Uh, pretty outgoing, very outgoing. I think that that's where like recruiting to me has always kind of been in my blood. And a lot of people have asked me, how did you get into it? I feel like, you know, in reality, I feel like I've always done it. I was the kid, whether that's even recruiting people to trade baseball cards, recruiting kids to go play a football game in the streets, uh, recruiting people into, Hey, this weekend, let's go to this event. I mean, that's going to transfer into college, just even being in a fraternity and being in recruiting then. So I feel like I've always been that voice of guiding and leading people down a direction. So it's kind of been embedded in me, to be honest with you. Let's use that as an opportunity to 
share a little bit more about what Pinnacle does and, and how you got into it. So what type of recruiting do you do? Yeah, so very, very niche specific to the industry. Personally, I've done recruiting for 20 years, but the last 13, so going back to 2009, solely in this industry, I narrow us down even more so into three buckets. Number one, we help the asset-based side. Number two, we do a ton in what I'm going to call 3PL brokerage. And then number three, especially the last couple of years, a lot of what I'm going to call freight technology. So you know how much visibility, tracking, software, hardware is coming to the game. That's our sport. And that's what we play every single day. How do you try to differentiate yourselves for candidates that may be getting reached out to from recruiters more generally in the industry? And how do you share your story in a way that gets them excited? You know, for me, we've always taken an approach of being more of what I'm going to call a talent advisor as opposed to a recruiter. When I hear the word recruiter, that means that that individual is working on maybe one specific job that they are trying to fill. I've always taken the approach where almost like a wealth advisor, an advisor studies the markets, they study stocks, they study trends. They're trying to give intel to their clients about maybe what moves they should make. I take the same approach when it comes to your career. So I never want to predetermine when we speak to somebody where I'm going to go. That's going to come through conversations, through questions. And I always say this, I want to know more about what you want as opposed to what I have. So when we speak to people and we just ask questions, what are you looking for? What's missing where you are? It allows us to play more of what I'm going to call a strategic matchmaker than just, I have this amazing job. I think you're a perfect fit. Well, how do I know that? Because we've never spoken. So that's always been the approach that we've kind of embraced is really just be very selective and picky in the introductions that you do. And that's why we have a lot of success and we don't just what I call spray and pray. So as a founder, you have to oftentimes do things that you don't want to do that aren't in your wheelhouse of you know, favorite activities and tasks. I can tell already you have an intensity and an extroversion to you that likely makes you very successful. What are the things that you hate spending your time on at work? Talking to mediocre people, because as frustrating <laughs> as that may sound, I, I consider myself to be a, a student of success. It's something that I live and breathe and I'm a sponge for learning and getting better. And I invest quite a bit into myself and coaching and just have always lived life with setting goals and very, very ambitious. And one of the most frustrating things that personally I come across is when I speak to people and they don't necessarily have them. And look, it doesn't make them bad people in any capacity. It just makes it very hard for me to resonate with those individuals because I want to work with people who want to win, are driven, are hungry, because those are what you know correlates with myself. And that's where I think we have the, the right match. How do you do recruiting for your own team then when you're looking to hire people to join Pinnacle do they follow the same process that they would if they were applying to any other job? Yeah, you know what? The secret sauce that we've had really over the past couple of years is uh, finding actual individuals from the industry. So if we look at a brokerage environment, you know, I can teach recruiting. I can teach conversations, how we do things. What I don't want to teach is what I'm going to call Freight 101. And so it's always been a lot easier for me to go and get a customer sales rep, a carrier rep, somebody who's done, done account management, because you have to think when they speak to the market, it's a very fluid conversation. I'm one of you. I've sat in your seat. 
I know the pain points. I've taken that check call at 2 a.m. I know load boards. So that really has kind of been what shifted the last couple of years is getting people that understand the jobs that we actually help people get placed into. Or how does that show up in your team every day? What's the energy like in the office? Or, or even do you have an office? Are you all remote at this point? I personally come into an office because I have two small children. So I run into my office because for me, an office has always been a separator. My home is my home. But when I'm here, I look at this like this is my arena. This is where I'm here to play ball. And this is where it's going to put all my energy and focus here. So I'm very, very dialed in and, uh, again, very detailed in what I do when I'm in this environment. When I'm home, I'm dad. I'm a big believer in being present wherever you are. If you're at the gym, I'm present there. I'm not multitasking. If I'm at home, I'm locked in. I'm going to be the best parent, most aware, most present individual possible. But when I'm at this office, this is where I'm dangerous. So as soon as I step in these walls, it's go time. Our team is actually remote. And that's kind of partially by choice and partially just the kind of the way it happened with where the team members are. It works really well because in recruiting, so much of it is email and text and phone. And so we don't necessarily all have to be in the same room. So you mentioned family and young kids and also the beginnings of your company and not really having a choice but to be successful. So take me back to the the really early days, even maybe before you started the company, what was going on in your life? How did you reach that conclusion? And what made you take the leap into entrepreneurship? I grew up in an entrepreneurial home. So my dad, oddly enough, was a repo man. So I grew up in a, in a very transactional hustle environment, right? Where it was like, if you got that car that the bank asked you to get, you get paid. If you don't, you get no money. And so this was embedded at me at a young age that you have to have results. You need to win. And I say this now looking back, I think I learned so much just not even knowing it at the time. I learned how to communicate with people. I learned how to have hard conversations because the reality is in that world, you're taking something from somebody that they might not be able to afford to lose. And so that's a skill set that I think I picked up over time. So I just always was around this. This is all I knew. It was the seven days a week, you get after it, you don't work, you don't get paid environment. So I didn't realize it at the time, but this was the wiring that was being put into me. And I think too, I'm a big believer that things are caught, not taught. So even though that necessarily wasn't being taught to me, I caught it, I saw it. And this again is where kind of that DNA was forged. My entrepreneurial journey really began in 2014. I was aligned with somebody. I was working in corporate America. I have run sales teams. I have built sales teams. I've managed hundreds of people, done recruiting a long time. And in 2014, I was aligned with somebody and that partnership came to a very uh, abrupt halt. It just came out of nowhere, did not see it coming and boom. I'll never forget the day, May 1st, 2014. So at that point, I was at a fork in the road scenario. Do I A, go back into the corporate world and get a job, which I knew I could do any day, or B, am I going to bet on myself? And I'll be honest with you, it took about two seconds for me to make a decision. At the time, I was 37. I had a one-year-old child, and I knew this was it. This was the moment, right? This is the time where it's your time. This seems like a really, really bad situation, but if you do it the right way, it can actually work out in your favor. So the next day, I started an LLC with nothing. No clients, no website, no email, 
but I knew that I had to win and I have done that quite a bit since. Sometimes it takes for a first or second customer, someone to just buy into the passion or to give you that chance because at that moment, you're fairly unproven. How did you get your first couple of customers? Yeah, this is a contingent recruiting model. I still run that model to this day. I don't ask for a retainer. Maybe again, this goes back to the 30 years ago, right? With what I saw where it's pay on performance. And that's the model that I live by. So for me to maintain that model, it forces us to perform at a very, very high level. But early on, I hate to say it, it was cold calling. It was hustle. I was just calling anybody that would give me an opportunity. So everything was very proactive, not reactive at that moment. I use the phrase a lot, offense, not defense. I had to play offense. I had to pick up the phone. I had to send out messages. I had to email people. Can you give me a shot? Give me an opportunity. I mean, I look back now at some of the deals I did and some of the fees and we're like, what were you doing? Right? I did whatever it takes. And that's always been my mindset. Whatever it takes, I'm going to do it. What do you wish you had done differently looking back on the last you know, eight or 10 years? You know, I was a one-man band for a long time. And I think just from an entrepreneurial journey standpoint, I'll never forget this. I'm part of a lot of business groups. And I've been fortunate enough to have mentors and coaches. And for a minute there, I was like maybe just content as like a one-man band. My mindset was almost keep it small and keep it all, very profit heavy. But I'll never forget somebody coming to me and said, you know, Brent, you don't have a business. You just have a high-paying job. You don't work, nothing turns on. You go on two weeks vacation, guess what? That funnel turns off. And I think it was right then and there that I kind of had that aha moment that, you know what? You're right. And if I'm truly going to build and scale and grow and get out to the masses, you can't do that by yourself. But it took that almost that one sentence and it triggered something inside of me to be like, you know what? Let's grow. So tell me about your team then. What are they like? How did you find them? And what do they do for you? You know, it's been a little bit of a combination. Some of them, oddly enough, have come to me, which is great, right? I've seen you online. I resonate with the fact that you like basketball, the fact that you like sports, that you're a father. I like your energy. You're somebody that I want to learn from and be around. That's been half of it. The other half, oddly enough, some of these people have actually been candidates that we've engaged with and be like, you know what? I want to look for another account management position, carrier sales. Part of me was like, you know what? Something about this person. They're hungry. Hire the will, teach the skill, right? And so for me, when I see somebody who has what I call reasons to win, my antenna goes up. Why not keep that individual for ourselves and be able to put them into a situation to win in a big way? So you've got a ton of intentionality, a lot of energy, an upbringing that predisposes you to eat what you kill and, and have to survive. So what role has luck played in your journey? You know, I don't know if there's luck because I'm such a big component in hard work. I think luck comes to those that are prepared. And I've always been working on myself behind the scenes. One of my favorite quotes from Tony Robbins says, you get rewarded in public for what you practice in private. So you may see that it looks lucky. Everyone sees the highlight reel and all the wins. What they don't see is the 2 a.m.s. The Saturday mornings at 4 a.m. when I'm driving here to the office, when I'm working on the holidays, when I'm working when other people are watching Netflix, see, you don't see that. So for me, I don't believe in luck. I just don't think that everybody sees all the hard work that it's taken to get to this point. And here's the other thing, too. I think sometimes social media and Instagram, they give a false reality of entrepreneurship. You don't open an LLC and get a Lambo the next day. 
People only show you what they want you to see. This is years and years of working on the craft, developing skills, building relationships, always learning and getting better. And it tends to compound, but it takes time. Speaking of time then, with the number of years that you have behind you and the number of years that you have left, what would achieving success look like to you? Is there a destination that you have in your mind that you'll be able to one day say, I have enough or I've accomplished enough and I don't need to do the grind anymore? I'm only built that way. As weird as that sounds, like it's just who I am. I could not imagine taking my foot off the gas, getting comfortable, exiting. Like honestly, some of this just doesn't even come to my mindset because there's so many big goals that I'm trying to reach. There's goals that I obsess with. Like right now, I am obsessed with getting on the Inc. 5000. And I know that we're not, this isn't even going to come out, but I'm going to notate this podcast one day when we hit it. Because what you don't see is in my office, I have graphics all around me that it's already happened. That award has already come to fruition because I reverse engineer things and I put out to the universe what I want. I'm a big believer in the law of attraction, manifesting, all these things. It's worked quite well for me over the years. I have no intention to slow down. I think as you get older and more established in your career, you almost have a duty to give back, to mentor people, to build leaders. If anything, my energy and focus would go there. What are the hardest parts of being a founder at this stage? Expectations of others. Because I have very, very high standards and I know how much work I personally put in. And it's hard to understand that not everybody is going to be you. Not everybody is a seven day a week, get after it grinder. And again, it doesn't make them bad people. But that's been the hardest thing for me is just making people understand that they don't have to be you. And that's okay. And me also accepting that. I'm going to run my own race. I'm a very big believer in leading from the front. Just like Michael Jordan said in The Last Dance, I'll never ask somebody to do something I won't do myself. But at the same time, not everybody is wired the way that you are. It's something I've had to actually learn. I don't want to say the hard way, but the reality way. So we're sitting at the end or near the end of 2022, and the market has changed dramatically. The job market has changed dramatically. Just earlier today, you know, the images online were of you know people being escorted out of Twitter headquarters after Elon Musk. Turned out not all those images were actually true, but I'm curious what you're seeing in the supply chain space in the job market right now. You know, if we specifically talk about this industry, it got very interesting after COVID. It was very operationally heavy because I hate to say this, but you didn't have to sell freight. You had to service it. And so you had a huge demand for account managers and carrier reps and track and trace and all these operational positions. And the thing is, too, sellers, they didn't really have to hunt. They were servicing. They weren't selling. And so that skill set of the grind and all those things, acquiring new customers kind of went away. Everything flipped in March of this year. And it is sales heavy right now. We all know that the Q4 peak season that we all expected is not here. So as a company, what's your answer? Sit back and again, be, you know, kind of reactive, just oh, this is what it is. Or do you proactively say, you know what, we're going to get a little aggressive here and we want to turn on more business. 
get in front of clients, get ahead of this thing going into Q1, which means more sales. So we've seen the uptick in sales uh, since March and it has not slowed down. Given your emphasis on trying to begin mentoring and developing other people, are there any people that you recommend potential or current founders should be following or listening to or subscribing to? Person that I personally resonate with the most is Ed Milet. Uh, a lot of people know him and his podcast, and I'm actually do some uh, individual coaching with him. I'm fortunate enough to do. I'm actually going to go see him live in Nashville in a couple of weeks. But it's the way that he delivers his message. And this is where I've learned a lot of these things. I mean, podcast is something that I do every single day. I don't drive in the car listening to music. I don't sit here in my office and watch TV. If anything, it's a podcast. It's YouTube listening to some kind of motivational. So I'm always feeding my brain full of positivity because it's very easy to go the other way. But the more that I feed the positivity into my mind, I feel like the more positivity that comes out of it. I think things are a boomerang. So I'm very, very intentional once again in what I pump in there. So where can people find you if they want to follow you or connect with you online? LinkedIn, I feel like a lot of people have seen me on there on my personal page. Pinnacle Growth Advisors, we have a website. Pinnacle Growth Advisors Instagram. I've even had to go over to Pinnacle Growth Advisors TikTok just to adapt with the times. But on each platform, I show things a little bit differently. I'm going to show you the behind the scenes, especially on Instagram, what a day in the life looks like. You know, on TikTok, I might show you more video clips, things that are going on and providing value to candidates and companies. So I just try to put myself out there as much as possible. I think building in public and sharing is still very underrated that you can attract like-minded people. It can be educational. It can be entertaining as well. But taking the risk and putting yourself out there has time and time again proven to be a successful model. So I hope others take you up on that offer and reach out to you and get a chance to follow along and watch what you're doing with Pinnacle. Thanks again for listening to another episode of the Bootstrapper's Guide to Logistics. Of course, you can subscribe to the show online wherever you get your podcast. You can join the conversation on Twitter at LogisticsTwit. You can follow along on LinkedIn or on FreightWaves at the FreightCast section. Check out all the other great shows in the lineup. Uh, and in the meantime, Brent, keep up all the good work. We're all rooting for you. Thanks for listening to another founder share their story on the Bootstrapper's Guide to Logistics. If you'd like to become part of the story yourself, please subscribe to our show and leave a review. Thank you, and we'll see you next week.